I just, I have no concept of time or space anymore. <laughs> Hi, my name's Jana. Uh, this is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. And this is a weekly unedited podcast where we come together to talk shit about serial killers. How are y'all today? Are you hydrated? Good. I feel like I'm not. <laughs> uh, okay, housekeeping, as usual. Um, well, I spent a lot of time on my new introduction, the little diddle before the episode plays, and I just spent an embarrassing amount of time trying to figure out how to attach it to this, and I just, uh, I just can't, I don't care, I'm sorry, I can't do this today, and it just, it's kind of like the last thing to go wrong for the day so far, so you know what, it'll happen next week. Um, if you've been here for a while, you know that I used to literally record my intro every single time I recorded an episode, and that kind of worked for me. And then it wasn't until these newer episodes came out and I got a microphone that now it just sounds weird. And I think it's because I'm not in the podcast closet anymore. That really changed the dynamics of my life were different in the podcast closet <laughs> because time and space stood still in the podcast closet. Uh, in my office, it is not the same. So you know what, we're, we're going to cut our losses for today, move on, life is good, it doesn't matter. Um, per usual, the social media plug, follow me on Instagram, at Cabernet and True Crime. I post something every single day, whether it's something informative or goofy or a weird crime or a behind the scenes. I also use that to communicate with people, so if you ever want to talk or request a case to be covered, uh, or even talk about your dog, that's the place to do it. Can you tell I just really like talking about dogs? show me pictures of your dog. Send me your dog pictures or send me your dog. I just really like dogs. Um, also, there's a link in my bio and the Instagram to purchase merch, among other things, which my merch does have my picture of a dog on it. So there you go, full circle. Otherwise, aside from those two things, I really don't have any other uh, anything else to housekeep besides my own house. Uh, it's a train wreck, absolute chaos, but that's more of like a me problem. And not so much a you problem, so we'll just, that's fine. Table that discussion for now. Today's topic. So I found this guy on YouTube a few years ago, and it's just really one of those cases that just kind of takes up space in my brain for whatever reason. And I figured if it has to take space in my brain, um, it's going to take up space in yours as well. So <laughs> here, here we are. Um, if you'd like to watch the documentary that kind of sparked it all, it's a five-part documentary called The Devil You Know. Um, it was produced by Patricia Gillespie. And this isn't going to be a very long ride, but it will be a wild one. So buckle up. On August 12th, 1978, Timothy and Cynthia Lawson give birth to a beautiful, healthy baby boy and named him John Alexander Lawson. John was raised in San Francisco, but at some point, the family moved to Clemens, North Carolina. It should be noted that um, a lot isn't really known about John's childhood because he lied about pretty much everything. <laughs> he told people he was from Iraq, that his father was some sort of high priest, uh, and people who knew him as a kid said he was off. Um, emotional, kind of high-strung, oh, just like not a kid that you look at and you're like, that kid is not completely normal. Um, he allegedly, as a child, harmed animals, drank alcohol, and consumed drugs at a very early age. As a kid, 
John suffered from mental health issues like schizophrenia and agoraphobia, namely. Um, I'm assuming some other stuff as well, but those are the two, the two big ones. Cynthia, John's mom, said that she had initially gotten him help and that he had responded well to treatments until money ran out. And that was when she was unable to afford the psychiatric help that John needed. From there, his mental health declined fairly quickly. Cynthia will admit that her son growing up was no angel, but he certainly wasn't that bad either, and those are her words, not mine. Just to specify, because <laughs> I, I think he was kind of off the walls, but that's just, we'll get there. So Cynthia and Timothy divorced in 1990, and I think that's right around when Cynthia moved to North Carolina. In 1998, Cynthia remarried and moved out of that home, leaving John to his own devices. Um, being born in 1978, uh, John dropped out of high school, so I would believe that was well before 1998, uh, just because of age. I would assume that would have been in the earlier 90s that he would have dropped out. Um, and honestly, for the most part, I think his childhood and his teenage years, his early teenage years, were pretty uneventful. Um, I think he was just a weird kind of off-kilter kid, but like, wasn't wild. I guess he wasn't like the feral animal he's about to turn into, if that makes sense. With that being said, in 2002, at the age of 24, John legally changed his name. And pardon me that I had to Google Translate that just to make sure I pronounce it right, because this is a wild time. So John legally changed his name to Pazuzu Illa Algarad. Um, he said he did this to conform with his satanist beliefs. Satanist beliefs. I don't know why I said that weird. Um, and with that one simple, there's a lot to unpack, so I would like you to follow me down this rabbit hole. John Lawson was a self-proclaimed Satanist. Now, it should be noted that there are multiple, and I guess you would say uh, flavors of Satanism. Like you could say, for I mean, for really any type of religion, there are extremes and a spectrum where individuals fall into the group and how each extreme group is if that makes sense. So Satanism, in its basic form, is a group of ideological and philosophical beliefs based on Satan, aka the devil. Satanism became a religion in 1966 when the Church of Satan was formed by Anton LaVey. Um, and there were a few historical precedents, but that's really the big one. It should also be noted that before that time, i.e. 1966, Satanism primarily existed as an accusation from Christian groups towards their opponents rather than a religion or a self-identified practice. But, I mean, really back to the flavors I mentioned earlier. There's atheistic Satanism, theistic Satanism, and personal Satanism. Atheistic Satanism is what LaVey came up with when he created the Church of Satan, which um, the core values of LaVey Satanism are the enjoyment of physical existence and undiluted naturalism that, that sees mankind as animals that exist in an amoral universe. So theistic Satanism, or the religious type, isn't just one kind of Satanism. Uh, but to go back one second, because I forgot to mention this, the atheistic Satanism is kind of like really just you do you. Like, live your life the way you want to. You're just an animal. It doesn't matter anyways. Theistic Satanism is a little bit different. It's kind of the religious type, and it's really not just one type of Satanism. Um, the historian of religion, his name is Ruben Van Luyck, he, had, he kind of said that it was just a working definition. Um, it's kind of like Satanism was regarded as the religiously motivated veneration of Satan. 
and there are little offshoots of this type of Satanism, and I mean, it's kind of just all over the place. Um, and I would argue from saying this that I don't think Satanism is inherently bad. Um, I think people just give it a bad name, meaning the next group of people we're going to talk about. Because from the vibe and from what I've learned about Satanism in general is that it's just kind of like people living their own lives and really not trying to hurt anybody. Um, but the, the problem is this next group of people. So there's that. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Bup, 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 bup. Oh, I feel that even um, in that term, Satanism or the Church of Satan have a bad name, but it should be noted that as a point of just pure education while we're on this topic, the Church of Satan doesn't even really believe in the devil or the notion of Satan in general. And like I said before, it's really just a concept of live your life the way you want to without worry about the judgment of an omnipresent being. That's just the way it is, am I, from my understanding, my personal understanding of it. Um, but lastly, and most unfortunately, you've got personal Satanism. And this, as the name would suggest, isn't part of a group. It's purely based off an individual's affinity for the general idea of Satan, and sometimes, well usually, the negative characteristics that come with that. Um, this flavor of Satanism usually leads to nothing good. So think uh, Satanic Panic, Richard Ramirez, and other terrible crimes that have happened in the name of Satan. Um, this, I've personally decided, is a type of Satanism that John Lawson, who I, I suppose we'll call Pazuzu now, got himself into. Uh, secondly, John didn't pull the name Pazuzu from just anywhere. It was obviously, I mean, chosen on purpose, you have to suspect. Nobody just stumbles across the name Pazuzu and thinks like, yeah, well, that'd be an all right name for me. Uh, so pulled from the World History Encyclopedia, I shall describe him to you. Pazuzu is a Babylonian demonic god. He was the son of Hanbi, the king of the demons of the underworld, aka the god of all forces, evil forces, and the brother of Humbaba, who is also known as the Terrible, so off to just like a really great start. Pazuzu was the demon in control of the west and southwest winds, which brought famine, awful storms, and locusts. He is often depicted with the body of a man, the head of a lion or a dog, talons of an eagle, two pairs of wings, a scorpion tail, and a serpentine penis. If you want to look at what that looks like, go for it. He also usually had his right hand up and his left hand down, kind of like Baphomet. Since he was the force behind destructive winds, um, prayers and offerings were given to him with the intent that if he was happy, he wouldn't, you know, do that anymore. <laughs> if you're a horror movie buff, you've probably even heard of Pazuzu because he was in the movie The Exorcist. He's the demon who possesses Lind Linda Blair. And of course, like most gods, Pazuzu wasn't completely benevolent. He is known for protecting pregnant women from other goddesses who like to prey on uh, unborn or newly born babies. My inkling is that John, who I'm sure would have seen The Exorcist at some point, latched onto the name and all the negative connotations that ran with it. Um, lastly, Pazuzu's chosen last name also has a meaning um, in Arabic, which means locust god. So that's all a thing. That's he he went to the BMV and like legally changed his name to that. This isn't just like a he went by thing. This is was a legal decision that somebody let him do. With all of that, 
Pazuzu claims himself to be a combination of Charles Manson, who was not a serial killer, Anton LaVey, which is the Church of Satan founder, and Alistair Crowley, who is a writer, mystic, and ceremonial magician. With a name like Pazuzu, you certainly can't just look like a regular guy, because then how would, he, how would anybody know... <laughs> How would anybody suspect that you had a name like Pazuzu if you just looked like a regular human? So, of course, he filed his teeth into sharp points with a Dremel, had his tongue split down the middle, and had tattoos all over his face and body that are mostly random, but some, I would guess, have meaning like the name Satan really big on his forearm. <laughs> and I mean, listen, I'm all for body mods. I'm into it. Like, you want a tattoo? Fuck it. Fuck me up. You know, like, go for it. If you want to change your body to reflect how you feel on the inside, fucking do it. I mean, as long as it's all consenting adults and you're not hurting anybody, fucking go for it. That's your choice. It's your body. You have to die with it someday. someday. Like, do whatever you want to it. It doesn't matter. However, in Pazuzu's case, he does hurt people. So I don't feel bad making fun of him. Um, and he looks like when a little kid draws a Sharpie all over a shaved-headed, pointed-tooth, split-tongue Ken doll. And I mean, I mean, you don't, <laughs> I guess, and I mean, I'll post a picture on Thursday of this guy, but I mean, you don't, like, look at this guy and think, that guy is normal. You don't, <laughs> it's not, that's not the first thought that comes to your mind when, like, you're looking at this guy, like, He's regular. He's not. And I mean, you'll see that in a little bit. And this isn't even, this is the tip of the iceberg. It gets worse than this. So according to himself, Pazuzu said that he regularly made animal sacrifices and claimed to be able to control the weather. He also told someone, apparently, that he showered annually and hadn't brushed his teeth in years because personal hygiene stripped the body of its defenses and warding off infection and illness. Which that's very a la Richard Ramirez as well, because I think... He, well, I don't know if he had the same beliefs or he was just gross. I mean, he also never brushed his teeth. So that could just be a self-proclaimed Satanist thing or, I mean, just that. I mean, these people, I don't know, couldn't tell you. Uh, he also told people that his interest in personal Satanism started when he began using drugs. Not, it's not surprising. And he had frequently attempted black magic, which at some point became a drive to indulge in more hardcore and violent rituals. So it's thought that all his behavior was just a major rebellion against Clemens, North Carolina, and the inhabitants of it, as this town was heavily Christian. Who knows whether this was all started as a ploy to shock the locals, um, and it was just a ploy that got out of hand, or if we're really just dealing with somebody who was like... Although I think like the line of mental illness into just... I don't want to call it aggression, but does that make sense? Like mental illness into something far more deviant and evil. I mean, there's there's a huge line between those two things, right? You could sit here up and down and say that he had, you know, psychological issues and that he needed psychiatric help, which I would agree with. But just because, you know, you have those issues does not mean you become this, right? So, I mean, that's just... I think it, this started as maybe a ploy to shock the locals and it got out of hand. His house at some point becomes a hangout hub for fellow outcasts. Uh, Pazuzu didn't care what his guests did or did not do inside the home. These activities included self-harm, drinking the blood from birds and or rabbits, drug use, and orgies. Uh, people even defecated on the floor and just fucking left it there. The house is filled with garbage, dead animals, and blood smeared on the walls. 
of course, in the shape of upside down pentagrams, because, I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, <laughs> like, if you're going to be cliche, you might as well go all the way. Pazuzu had some type of twisted charisma because he landed himself not one but two fiancés who frequented that home. Uh, he had, from what I've read, a number of, like, I guess you call them followers. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but that they came to the home and were really into what Pazuzu had to say and offer them. But the highlighted fiancés were Amber Birch and Crystal Matlock. The, cer the neighborhood uh, certainly did not like Pazuzu or his pals, but there's really nothing police can do to stop you from shitting on the floor in your own home and, like, having orgies in your own home. That's kind of, like, where the line is drawn that, like, yeah, well, you can kind of... I mean, truthfully, who's going to stop you from shitting on the floor in your own house? Nobody, really, unless, like, you live with other people who care. Apparently, that was not the case. Around this time, though, police had done a perfunctory search of Pazuzu's home, um, most likely trying to get him on something, but they really didn't find anything. And there were definitely rumors that, of course, Pazuzu had spread himself, um, that he had killed at least one person. And a lot of people thought he was lying about it, um, since most of his demeanor and character were pretty grandiose. He just, I mean, he really just, he looks like the guy who would lie about that. He just gives that air. I mean, you look at him and you're not I don't know, you, you'd you think he'd lie about everything. That's just, like, the way he... That's just the way he looks. But the people who knew him better and had spent time with him um, kind of took him a little bit more seriously. In 2010, Pazuzu and Amber, one of the fiancés, were convicted of a misdemeanor assault for putting Cynthia, Pazuzu's mother, in a chokehold. And later that year, Pazuzu and a friend were arrested and charged in the shooting death of a man who was found in um, a local park. The man who was killed was named Joseph Chandler. He was 30 years old. On June 7th, park employees found his body on a boat ramp. It was apparent he had died from a gunshot wound. Nick Rizzi, who was 20, was charged with involuntary manslaughter for the death, but our guy Pazuzu, who was 31 at the time, was charged with accessory after the fact in involuntary manslaughter. Rizzi was held in a jail um, with a bond set at $50,000, where Pazuzu was held with a bond set at $100,000. In 2012, both men were convicted. Because of the next bit, um, I looked, I kind of looked into this to see what he actually, I mean, what type of punishment he really got for this, and all I could find out that was he received probation, and this was because, technically, he didn't fire the gun, says law enforcement. So after this conviction, though, Police were keeping a close eye on this unruly gaggle of humans. Uh, he was still causing distress on the neighborhood, and he really became the neighborhood boogeyman because he was just this crazy guy who lived in this crazy house that was always dirty and filthy and filled with people. And I mean, people were rightfully so scared of this guy. I mean, when you see the picture of him, you're like, no, I would be scared of him too. He's just a scary looking human. In October 2014, Iraq war veteran and a one-time friend of Pazuzu named Matt Flowers raised the alarm to police and told them that they should, in fact, do a more than perfunctory search of the home. Police executed a search warrant in the backyard, and they found skeletal remains of two men, uh, Tommy Dean Welch, who was 31, and Josh Wetzler, who was 32. They had both been missing since 2009. On October 14, 2014, police arrested Pazuzu and his wife, Amber Birch. A legal the, wow, the marriage was never legally official, but they had been Facebook married since November 1st, 2009. And for some people, 
That's all that matters. According to the arrest warrants, Pazuzu had allegedly shot Wetzler to death in July of 2009, and when Amber helped him, oh, and Amber helped him bury the body. The warrants also claimed that Amber had fatally shot Welch in October of 2009, and Pazuzu had helped her. The other fiance, Crystal Matlock, was charged with accessory after the fact to first-degree murder. The warrants alleged that she helped Amber bury the first body. One of the wild things is that after Pazuzu and Amber were taken into custody, police released a video that had been shot inside the couple's home, which is a nine and a half minute long video of a filthy, garbage-filled, uninhabitable residence where the words, evil will triumph, were spray-painted over a doorway amid other occult graffiti. And it's kind of like live, laugh, love, but worse. Officers reported he also stated that the house had broken glass and sharp instruments everywhere, hundreds of flies dead and alive, decayed animal parts and remains, and animal cages with carcasses. Um, Later, it suggests that there was a dried blood-like substance on the walls as well. After his arrest was public, a woman named Bianca Heath came forward to HuffPost to talk about some of the time she had spent at Pazuzu's home in 2005. From her story, she spent a month there, and Pazuzu spoke proudly about he had killed and eaten two sex workers, and then he burned the bodies and buried their remnants. Heath said that Pazuzu had told everyone, but no one ever believed him. Another friend of Pazuzu corroborated the story, saying that she got a, quote, drug-like rush from eating the still-beating heart of a sacrificial animal. Her words, not mine. Somebody else came out and said anonymously that Pazuzu was naked during the entire duration of her visit and described him as, quote, very sexual, very provocative. And to that I have to say, what? Those are not two words that I would ever use to describe this man. (laughs) I just fine but those were her words so here you go uh pazuzu after his arrest was moved to central prison riley in may 2015 on a safekeeping order just because of mental health issues a safekeeping order is basically a fancy way of saying an inmate has like a medical issue um so say they needed like health care while they were in prison or in this case is a danger to themselves in October, well, on October 28th, 2015, around 3 a.m., Pazuzu was found unresponsive in his cell with a wound to his arm. Resuscitation was attempted but failed, and he was pronounced dead at 4.20 a.m. He died from severe blood loss caused by a deep wound in a major blood vessel in his left arm. The death was ruled as an apparent suicide, and it's thought that he caused the wound himself by biting his arm with his uh, sharpened teeth. He was supposed to appear in court literally the next day. The house was deemed uninhabitable and was demolished in 2015 as the neighborhood cheered on, understandably. It was reported that later that year, the neighbors um, that lived next to the lot just bought the vacant property. On March 9, 2017, Amber Birch pled guilty to second-degree murder, armed robbery, and accessory after the fact to murder. Tommy Dean Welch had been reportedly um, at Pazuzu's home, along with Birch and others, prosecutors said that Birch shot him twice in the head with a 22 caliber rifle as he sat on the couch. Birch was sentenced to a minimum of 30 years and eight months in prison with a maximum of 39 years and two months. Crystal Maddock pled guilty to conspiracy to accessory after the fact to first-degree murder on June 5, 2017. 
She was sentenced to a minimum of three years and two months with a maximum of four years and ten months in prison. So Pazuzu, that wild, wild man, never uh, had to pay for his crimes. But I guess, I mean, realistically, for him, that's really not that shocking. But I guess that's just my own personal opinion. Um, But like I said, it wasn't going to be a long ride, but man, was that a wild ride start to finish, like, crazy. (laughs) The whole thing is wild. Um, But either way, that, dear friends, is a story of Pazuzu, the terror of North Carolina. And uh, next week's episode, I think it should be quite exciting. And I, uh, for fucking sure, will figure out the intro between now and then. But that's just, life's been crazy and it's late. So, with that being said, I will see you all next week.